In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I am delighted to invite you to the show today, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I'm also happy to be your host and to talk to you about the insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is actually the 62nd episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me, what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app. You can always tune in using your favorite podcast app as well. Now, if you missed last week's show, I was chatting with my social media woman, T. And we, oh, I also refer to her as my computer, my, let me say it again, communication compadre. We were discussing partner and how to keep peace both at work and home. So today, my show is with my guest, Misha Rubin. Welcome, Misha. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Listeners, let me give you a bit of background on Misha. He's a teacher, an entrepreneur, and he provides transformational career programs designed to help people discover meaningful careers and that work for their lives. He spent 20 years plus in corporate America as a partner at Ernst & Young until he decided it was time to take the plunge and serve his purpose, guiding others towards their own purpose. His corporate experience and his personal quest for meaning and fulfillment inspired the Career Leap Method, which we're going to get into and hear more about a bit later. And for now, just for you to know, it's a guided inquiry, bringing awareness to deep parts of oneself, creating new career possibilities, and moving into action, changing lives forever. All right. So, Misha, I have a couple of questions in mind for you, though. I'm curious to know, how are you doing today? Where are you tuning in from Give me something juicy. Juicy. I am. Uh, I live right north of New York City. Okay. And today is the most gorgeous fall day you mm. could ever imagine. I just need to, I will need to go outside right, right after our interview to enjoy that. Your reward. <laughs> I, my reward was two hours ago. I got out of a very full day and I went outside for the end of the fall day here in the French part of Switzerland. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm happy that you're going to get to enjoy that later. Okay. So uh, let me start with this, Misha. I'm curious to know reasons why people get stuck in their careers and stay there. Yeah, that's one of my favorite questions. Well, I would say the number one reason yeah. is that while in our society, we are educated on sem- so many topics some of them more useful than others, as we know. But um, there is no formal education on how to choose right career for us, how to right. pick the right calling, how, do even, how to even assess if you have a career, whether this organization is the right organization for you or team is right for you. Yeah. And because of that, um, lack of education, people, and there is a lot of other right, preconceived notions and force, forces that 
in our communities, maybe in specific families, people choose their careers for whatever reason they do. And then very often they end up not being happy. And I would say majority of people, it's more likely than not, whatever people doing leave, uh, guides them to careers that are not fulfilling, not meaningful yeah. for them and yeah. have regret. So and I would say there are two, um, two pitfalls in, in the career search. So one of them I call a, is a, a skills and experience pitfall. And yeah. here, when, you know, the traditional way of looking for job, you update your skills and experience in your resume, and then you look for jobs that match that skills and experience. Right. And probably that's the way you got your current job that you don't like that much. And you <laughs> probably also know a lot of people that are very skilled and very experienced that can't stand their jobs. But yeah. nevertheless, that's a standard way for job search. And it kind yeah. of, and if skills and experience didn't bring you meaning and fulfillment, because for some people, that's kind of the thing that gets them to where they need to go. If it haven't brought you that so far, it's likely that it won't in the future. Right. So I call, right. I call it a skills and experience pitfall. Mm-hmm. And the second pitfall, I call it an opportunity pitfall. This is when either a recruiter or ex-boss calls you, or maybe you read about a job opportunity someplace and it's like, oh my God, oh, oh, I'll get more money or more responsibilities or more knowledge or more flexibility or more of something that I really want. Yeah. And on a surface, it seems like a good move. Now, in reality, what happens if you make a few of those moves, you might end up in a place where you're like, I've never wanted to be here. So if you don't create opportunities properly, they are likely to take you on the paths where you don't want to be and the places where you don't want to go. Yeah. So that's the second pitfall that I call an opportunity pitfall. So so the big question becomes, how do we create opportunities? How do we know what is the right path for us? And as I was listening to you, what I was thinking about is, it feels like it's relatively recent that it has even occurred for to people that we can look at, you call it a meaning and fulfillment, that we can consider those um, standards, expectations as rational, reasonable, maybe not rational is the right word, reasonable expectations to have. Mm. To have as guidelines for the 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 thing that's going, we're going to spend so many hours of the rest of our life doing. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. I think there always were examples, right, of somebody like yes. I know in my life, like of a teacher or a doctor that's you know community would admire, and they definitely you knew they they were doing something profoundly there. Yeah, right? they're so, calling. Yeah, they're calling. It was really more of an exception. I would actually tell you more that I I say that now we live at exceptional times, exceptional to the extent that nobody ever had anything like what we have before. I call them four dimensions of opportunities colliding at time. And I will explain what they are, creating really like a critical mass. It's almost like if you're not considering it, when do you plan? When are you planning to consider it? So let me tell you these four opportunity dimensions. The first one is with pandemic, remote work became acceptable. 
and uh, it, it pretty much disappeared geographic boundaries. Nobody had that, that suddenly you could work pretty much anywhere from anywhere, right? So that type of a luxury nobody had, which just that by itself is humongous. Yes. The second thing, I think with pandemic and quarantine, the changes that happened in our society, it's almost like in a year and a half, we did like a 15-year jump in certain areas, right? Yeah. And that societal change always brings business change and business transformation. Some of it comes with pain, but a lot of it comes with opportunity. So we live at the time of opportunity when business is transforming themselves, industries finding new ways of existing, new business services, new scientific uh, uh, opening. So like we live from that perspective, an extraordinary time. So that's number two. Number three, the barriers to start a business. I have no idea what it took for people to start a business 30 years ago, but I know when I came up with a career leap idea, I created a web page in an hour. I posted on LinkedIn and on Facebook, and I got my first three students. So I'm not at all saying that it's easy to run your own business. It's pain in the neck. I, I will admit it. But to start a business, mm. it's relatively easy. So nobody had that. We just need to acknowledge that nobody had that before. Yeah. So that's the third one. And the fourth one is access to learning. So you can sit in the comfort of your couch. Yes. And your pillows and your blankets or whatever it is. And you can get your MBA degree. You can get a certifications from very rep- reputable educational institutions. You can take programs on Coursera. There are tons of free trainings. There's also unprecedented amount of books and podcasts and blogs and video journals on pretty much any topic yeah. right now. O- overwhelming. Yeah. So the access to learning is unprecedented. So if I look at these four things again. And the, say, yeah, give me all four again. So pretty much no geographic boundaries, right? Okay. Number two, the, the business transformation, business and society transformation that's happening and bringing a lot of opportunity. Hmm. Very low barriers to open up your business. Right. And access to learning. If I look at these okay. four things. I would say even one of them would say, hey, it's amazing. But living at the times when four of them collide right now, basically bags only one question. How come you're not running after that meaningful and fulfilling career? Like, how come you not yeah. like- What is your excuse now? Like, like, there is really no better time to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the answer is that a lot of people just not educated how to do that. And then mm-hmm. when you're not educated how to do that, then you stop really fast because you think, oh, I can never make money doing what I love. Oh, right. I, I'm too old to make a change or I don't have the right skills. There's all these, you know, I would say a, a set of standard conversations that happen. Yeah. But these conversations only prevail because... You didn't go through this um, methodical exercise of discovery, and um, and that you know that keeps people stuck for ages, right? Yeah, Misha, maybe you don't deal with this part of it. As I was listening to you, I'm imagining some people have that self-limiting beliefs or that 
of you know, who am I to ask for exactly what I want? And all, and sort of that also the tradition and family pressure and expectations mm-hmm. that we hear with um, people of, uh, you know, families that, I mean, you know, like you think of the stereotype of an immigrant family and the pressure that kids have to fulfill certain careers, though, you know, in, in many families, I think there's expectations if there's a family owned business that the expectation the child will yep. r- help run that business, things like that. Um do you address and and support people who are struggling with those kind of internal boundaries? Yeah. So my method has three major pillars. One okay. of them is a discovery. One, the second one is a pursuit. So discovery and pursuit, that's really how my program is built. Discovery about discovering your what you want to do and pursuit about having tools to pursue it. But the third pillar is, is unstoppable mindset. And the big part of what I do in that pillar, I developed a methodology and my students become masters in, dismant- in identifying and dismantling disempowering beliefs. Oh, fantastic. So my, so my favorite thing is in my, you know, when I'm working with somebody and somebody says something they're like, oh, oh, that was a disempowering belief and they correct the language that they use. What's an example? Some. Yeah. So the example could be, you know, like I'm too old. Like I, mm. it's one of the common beliefs. Like, am I, am I too old to change the careers? You know, that's mm-hmm. a common, common belief. And in spite of the reason evidence that people in their 50s and 60s, you know, change careers and start businesses and do like, honestly, all over us, I think the concept of a changed but, you know, historically and with society, for a lot of people thinking that they, you know, so I have this, I, I have these uh, three anecdotes about um, I'm too old phenomenon, right? Okay. One of them, so I was talking to a prospective student of mine um, who ended up taking my program and creating this beautiful career leap for herself to become um uh, like a life coach for children. That was her creation out of the program. Oh, gorgeous. But as we were talking, she said, but I'm too old. And she was like in her maybe mid to late 40s to make a career change. And then she started laughing. And then she says, oh, I just remember when I was 22 and I graduated from college and I knew that engineering wasn't my thing, I said exactly the same thing that I'm too old to make a change. So that conversation that I'm too old, one of it to get present that it might not be even age specific. Yeah. And maybe the second anecdote I said is when a 72 year old uh, surgeon registered into my program, (laughs) because that person was very clear that, you know, he doesn't want to retire in a traditional sense and he wants to do what's next. And my third and maybe favorite anecdote, if you think about you 10 years from now, talking to you now, what do you think that you will tell you about you being too old now? That you will laugh yeah. at you yeah. <laughs> 10 years yeah. from now. They yeah. will be laughing at you that you're thinking you're too old. So there are ways of dismantling those beliefs. So, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's uh, that's really rich, and it must be so rewarding to see the transformation sometimes in front of your eyes. I bet. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned these four 
areas that have really shaking up the way we're um, what's available to us. Would you say that um, those are the weaknesses that the pandemic has revealed in this classic career structure, or is there more to it than that? Listen, I, I think about everything as evolution and growth, right? So as time change, things change. You know, I think we're living at a different times. I think that that those kids that now are going to college, right? You know, 30 years ago, people went to college thinking that they're getting a degree and they will have a career for a lifetime. These people that go to college right now, they better understand they probably will have multiple careers, more likely than not in their lifetime. So it's just, we're just in a different world, right? So we need to, so to that point, it's even more important to understand what is the criteria that you need to have to make your choices, right? Because right now, you know that you probably will be making multiple choices over your lifetime. Right. Yeah, you want to be able to get good at it because it's it won't be the only time you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm curious to know, you talk about these three areas, discovery, pursuit, unstoppable mindset. Um, is that different than, is, is, I'm curious to know, like things that people can do right now to change the future of their career, is that within those three elements or is that separate? So separately, there is a way of looking like I am working in this company. I'm not planning to leave. How do I get the most out of this job? You know, that's one way of asking that question. But the bigger question is, you know, I think Mary Oliver said, what are you planning to do with your wonderful, beautiful life? I don't remember the exact quote. The way like, what are you planning to do with your precious life? So in context of that question, um, what becomes the first thing that becomes important is really the discovery part, because knowing what you want to do in life is a function of knowing who you are. And I usually like to repeat. Hold it on. Twice. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's this is a little the, slower. This is very profound. Yeah. Knowing what you want to do in life yeah. is a function of knowing who you are. Okay. Do you have some examples? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, so imagine if you work in an organization and solving a problem that's aligned with your values, mm-hmm. you're actually doing the work that's built on your strengths. Yep. Your job setup, including your compensation and the way you're reporting your results, fits your motivation mechanism. And the way you interact with others, whether it's with customers or other team members or employees, aligns with your interpersonal profile. Mm -hmm. So if you have this type of an alignment, I call it your thrive zone. Okay. In that thrive zone, what's naturally will show up is enthusiasm, commitment to results, growth, and access to your peak performance. Right? Okay, so r- r- go through those again, all the things that so, show up. So, the, so, so let me tell you the four okay. career criteria. Like one is your career values. Mm. That defines where you work. So your strengths should define what you do. 
Mm-hmm. Your motivation mechanism is really the setup in which your work happening, including your compensation and how you evaluate it for your results. And your interpersonal profile is about how you interact with other humans and what's your thrive zone from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I work with people on in the discover discovery part of my program is uncovering their unique career criteria and articulating them. Because mm-hmm. for humans, unless we have language to concepts, they don't work. We can't really apply them effectively and use them effectively in life. So, once, so what are, mm-hmm. give me a, I'm always really good with examples. examples. Give me a juicy so example of you someone you've worked with. Let me give you a juicy example maybe of myself, you know? Okay. Like, for instance, my career values are making a difference, mm. clarity, and manifesting. Mm-hmm. So making a difference, my intention is to make a difference with my students. My intention is to make a difference with you in this conversation mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. your listeners. Mm-hmm. My intention, whoever I interact with, I have this intention to make a difference with them. Okay. Right? Clarity. It's not like I always have clarity. But I strive for it. Okay. And I want to give clarity to others. So when others understand their unique career criteria, their direction in life, I fulfill my values, right? And that fulfills the first by being of service yes. and exactly. offering. Be- making a difference. Mm-hmm. So it's all interconnected. And the yeah. third one is manifesting. And manifesting, like I manifested the career leap, right? Mm-hmm. But my ultimate manifestation when my students manifest what's next for them, right? So this is my example. I do my, the work that's 100% aligned with my unique career criteria, with my values. And before that, I was a partner in one of the big four management consulting firms, right? So I know how it feels to do work that's not fully aligned with your values, that's somewhat aligned, but not fully. Yeah. And then, so now in my current life, I don't wake up thinking, why I'm doing this? Should I be doing this? Or should I not be doing this? Or right. You know, what, why even bother? Who cares if I do this or don't do this? Yeah. Because I'm fully resting in my values. And there is mm-hmm. very, li- very few questions that I have. My only yeah. question is how, <laughs> how do I make it all work? Right. Yes. Like not why, not what, not any of these things. Yeah. Right. So when I worked with my students, for instance, Rebecca was a nurse for 30 years and was Mm -hmm. looking for her next career. You know, we looked at her unique career criteria. And then based on that, and she came to me, she said, I know I'm done with nursing, but I have no idea. There's so many options. How do I even start? Right. So she chose to become a holistic health coach. Right. That was the leap that she created. So when people create their unique career criteria, I guide them on how to develop a career leap map, which is a list mm-hmm. of ideas of where and what they could be doing. It's a very fun exercise where we examine, explore, and, I, and I'd like the list to be comprehensive. Maybe you have business ideas. Maybe there are some childhood dreams. Maybe there are some things you wanted but afraid to try. I want everything to be on the list because oh, gosh. maybe not now. Maybe in two years from now, some one of those ideas will become relevant. So, And then one idea leads us to the next one. And then from there, we narrow down and we do evaluation. And that's how people get to one leap or sometimes a long-term leap and a short-term leap. Or sometimes yeah. people come up with a business idea. 
So, so that's basically discovery is really about knowing who you are and where you're going. Wow, what a, an exciting first stage. And it must create so much energy and momentum for mm-hmm. people to move forward. Um, and I'm also imagining, you know, I can see the, the beginning of those limiting beliefs starting to drop away and the energy of, of daring to um, think big. Yeah. 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 So we have a couple minutes before I want to take a break. Um, I'm curious to know, do you want to tell us now about the second part about pursuit or should we jump into that for a minute or two? Yeah, sure. So pursuit is about now that you know what you want, how to go after it with clarity and with confidence. And here I teach some unorthodox tools on how to do that. I developed my own. You know, you know, the benefit of being management consultant for so many years that you can put a framework around any form of thinking <laughs> and a method around any form. Time of to walk your dog. Let me show you how to do that. <laughs> exactly. These are the four steps to walk your dog effectively. <laughs> um, but I'm applying this to very practical, pragmatic, important matters where actually yeah. people feel lost because there's yeah. no clear guidance. Oh, yeah. And uh, overwhelm and the, the inner critic starts coming in and the imposter and. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So that, that becomes very helpful. So I don't know. So I should we go dive deeper or should we wait for the let's, second part? Let's do this. Let's pause here. We'll take a break for a couple of minutes. And then when we come back, we'll continue on. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get a glass of water or? Yes. And before you go anywhere, let me keep, stay with me for another minute because listeners, if you want to connect with Misha, find out more about him, you have a couple of options. You can go directly to his website, MishaRubin.com. That's M-I-S-H-A-R-U-B-I-N.com. Or you can also check out thecareerleap.com. Is that right? Yeah. So if you, you know, usually say, if you just want to learn about me, MishaRubin.com is a great resource. But if you're listening to this and it's like, okay, I'm ready. I can't wait. I need, I'm ready for my leave. Then go to the careerleave.com and you will, you will see my next program. Excellent. And listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You'll find out details on my website, carolcoaching.com. And when we come back from the break, you'll be hearing more from Misha. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others. As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra, For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change, 
to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. My guest today is Misha Rubin. We've been talking about how to change the future of your career. So, I am curious to know, Misha, just before break, we left off, we had been talking about the discovery phase, and now we're in the pursuit, and you talk about unorthodox methods you have. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's do that, right? So again, let's look at the traditional ways people look for a job that doesn't work anymore, right? It's going, so you have an idea about your skills and experiences, and then you're going to these websites where the jobs are posted, and you apply for them and you go through the whole process. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get a job that way. Of course you can. But if you have this high aspiration job or career change that you want, it's just very slim chance to discover it through that process. So, so to me, we will go back into your unique career criteria. And you, if you know the direction where you want to go, and usually when I say the direction, it's you know pro- maybe the industry where you want to be in and the type of problem that you want to be solving in that industry, right? Okay. And then if you know your unique career criteria, specifically your career values, then you could potentially seek out organizations that solve this particular problem and you can evaluate them whether they match your values. You can, you know, listen to what their CEO is talking about, listen, you know, you can do some type of investigation about them right? and choose organizations that you actually like, okay, that's the leader that I want to pursue. That's the organization that I would like to be part of, or, or at least yeah. I would like to examine more, right? So that's the step number one in your pursuit, basically choosing, like, what are the organizations that I want to target? And the second thing then you want to but before you go on, I, I love the idea of that. It's very empowering because you're, it's not like, oh, what's out there and I'll take anything that's available. It's, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm driving this tr- truck in the direction I want to go. The, the reality is that for most organizations, posting a job online is the last resort they huh. take. It's only if they cannot fulfill it internally or through their internal relationships that it ends up. They say, okay, now we're ready to look at strangers, you know, and that ends up in the job posting sites. Um, so that's why um, developing relationships with these organizations that you 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 like, even if it might mm-hmm. not be there is a direct opening today, uh, or right. it, it's it's a worthwhile exercise for many reasons. Plus, you will learn more about the industry and the problem, especially right. if you make a career change. There's like like tons of different 
hidden benefits of doing that. But then if so you it's the now- idea of a long-term relationship investment, regardless of what, if it produces the expectation, the precise expectation you're looking for. Yeah. I, you know, you might, you'll choose how long you want to be that relationship. Maybe you'll find a mentor there. Maybe, maybe who knows? I, but most importantly, if you know what the problem that you want to solve, the more people and organizations you talk about it, especially if you're making a leap from industry to industry, the more you will know about it, you know, the more competent you'll sound, the better you can, like mm-hmm. in the next phase, we'll talk, the more relevant you can be in how you communicate. So I think there are many, many benefits, especially if you want to move into a different career or different industry and do something that's, you know, you maybe don't have all your muscles developed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so once you have identified these target organizations, then the question becomes, how do you approach them in a compelling way? You know, yeah. that, and I teach my students to write magic letters. And the reason that I call them magic letters, because the intention is to produce a nonlinear outcome, right? So you want these people that don't know who you are have no idea where you even showed up. You want them to respond to you, right? That's, uh-huh. that's I think, that's So let me give you, I, I talked to you about Rebecca who wanted to become yes. a holistic health coach. So she applied the magic ladder when she applied to grad school because she said, since i taking this on, I want to study more. And we were in June and the deadline, application deadline was in April. But we wrote a magic letter. And she got accepted, right? So I have a lot of great examples of a woman who was making really big transition into a completely different field and she was looking for a mentor. You know, a magic letter on LinkedIn landed her mentor. I have another student who worked in financial industry, was very interested in education, sent a letter to the CEO of the company, got invited for lunch the following week. So what is the secret, right? So the secret, so I say yes. there are three principles to impactful communication that actually leads to impact. One of them is that it's authentic, that it's yes. true to who you are. So if you know your values, if you know what is the problem that you want to solve and why, that brings uh, authenticity. The mm. second, well, it's got to be relevant. So you need to understand who you're writing this letter to. Who are these people? What motivates them? Why would they want to talk to you? You know, so it has to be very relevant. And the third principle is you got to be transparent about your intentions, about maybe the gaps that you have. Again, depending on the type of communication you, you're saying. So, and we apply these three principles of communication to all the documents to your resume. You know, what one of the like a pitfalls of a resume when people uh, structure their resume in, in chronological order, as if anybody's interested in your autobiography. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to know. Uh, it's so in, true. In resume, the most important thing is relevance. You know, it's yeah. really how to structure your resume to make it relevant, but also you want to have a lot of uh, elements of authenticity and transparency there also. Mm. So that's basically where I unveil my communication framework to my students and teach them how, and by the way, that can be used in anything, you know, you can use it with your spouse for all that matter. Uh, And then 
The interviewing part, which is the next part, again, exactly the same three principles. So the traditional model of interviewing, right? You see, I'm trying to break all the traditional models because they actually truly don't work. They, they, uh-huh. they clearly don't work for an intention to finding meaningful and fulfilling career that works for your life. Mm-hmm. They, they so work. maybe when you're, you're showing your, your um, style that you're recommending, um, also perhaps share what's the traditional one that is not working. That helps me to compare. Yeah, yeah. So the traditional way of interviewing is a person goes into interview, they interview him. Right. Right. They interview that person. And so they interview you and you pretend that you're much better than you are. Right. Right. You have to perform to look better than you are. Right. So there's a lot of things that don't work in that model. So the alternative model, if you are authentic, relevant, and transparent, consider that you, without any performance, you are giving them enough information to determine whether you're the right candidate. Yeah. And then if you don't need to perform, you can actually use that energy to interview them. Yes. That's what I teach students, how to interview them. Are they the right organization for you? Is that the right leader? Is that the right team? So then if you're really looking for a place where you will thrive, for a place where you you know, will be maybe fulfilling and you're calling your mission, then you should be doing that level of due diligence. Absolutely. Oh, that's really um, empowering. You know, just that must really be very unique for a lot of people you work with. They may have never done it, approached it that way before. Yeah, most people haven't approached things in this particular way. That's yeah. why I think that that most people stuck in this very old I think the old way of looking for a job was designed to get a job, you know? Right. And it works to get a job. I'm, yeah. I'm not questioning that. Yeah. But if you're aspiring something more just getting a job, right, right, then you need to have different tools and different ways of being and different way of communicating and than, than in the old paradigm. You know, Misha, when I'm having a chemistry call with a potential client. And let's say it's a coachee who I'll be working with individually one-on-one over a period of eight to 12 months. Um, I will often say to them, so this is a com- opportunity for you know both of us to have a chat. And uh, from my side, I'm listening to hear if you're ready, willing, and able to make the changes. And often that makes them go, what, what you're, you know, you're interviewing me kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't, I've made the mistake of just saying yes to coaches who were not ready, willing, or able. It was the HR person sent them, or they, right. you know, there was too much baggage going on for them to be able to focus on the coaching. Yeah. And now I'm like, nope, not going to keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that way, you know, all the things that I teach that would apply if you want to start your own business and you're looking mm-hmm. for a business partner. Or if you are a business and you're looking for a vendor, you know, when I, it's very interesting. I developed a magic letter in the form of RFP when I was looking for a marketing partner for my uh, business. RFP is a request for proposal, right? So that's a, oh, yeah. yes. that's Thank where, you. where you articulate your needs, but right. I did it in a magic letter. And the, the thing is, this is what 
amazing thing that happens with this way of communication. It will repel people that are not aligned with you, and yeah. it will absolutely attract people that will align with you. Yeah. It really makes it very easy for people to say yes or no, yeah. whether they want to work with you or not want to work. It yeah. just, it's just so... Um, apparent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got a little side story on that. I was in a self-development course for one of those long, you know, three-day weekend um, events. And the, I got to go up to the microphone and I I had a very, very powerful exchange with the facilitator and I was a hundred percent authentic and I was edgy and playful and fun. And after that, it literally like the seas parted, Misha, there were people who didn't even want to look at me in the eyes like, oh, she's either she's just too much or too scary. And the other people were like, I want to talk to you. And I thought, oh, wow, that's one of the bonuses of showing up with authenticity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very important in your selection process, right? When you selecting a place to work, then you want to make sure there is that particular match. Right. Right. Okay, so where are we in the process now? Is there more about okay. the pursuit? Yeah, so the last piece of pursuit is, so we talked about uh, identifying organizations. We talked about compelling communication. We talked about interviewing. And the last thing is really about negotiation. Uh-huh, negotiation. Oh, yeah, okay. So in negotiation, and- there are really a few pieces. Is really a lot of people not clear about what they want, <laughs> nope. right? And also, not just what you want, but also understanding what is not negotiable and what it is you just want. So just having clarity about Mm. these things make a lot of difference. And that's the piece. And the second piece, people don't know how to make requests about what they want, you know. So that's basically, if I were to tell you two secrets of negotiation, here it is. You know, knowing what you want and knowing how to ask for it. (laughs) And that not just... In a job interview, it's pretty much in any negotiation that in our life, a lot of times is negotiation with our children, with our partners, with our, you know, with our family, with our friends, with our people that provide services to us, our employers, our customers. Um, Yeah, it's really ability to have these conversations. So that that's basically the pursuit. My intention to give tools for life. And that will work in all areas of your life, you know, that you can apply all over yeah. the place. And yeah. when you're applying it in other areas, those skills will be warmed up and fine-tuned and ready to use when you're wanting to apply it to your career. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, I think this, when you said um, to know what you want and to know how to ask for it, and then there's also a, a piece for me that's probably around the knowing how to is also daring, daring to ask for what you want. I think a lot of people, they just still show up. Modest is not the right word. They just, they're worried about offending people or upsetting people. Yeah, it's fear. Yeah. Courage, right. Yeah. To me, it's all comes under how to ask for it, right? But that's where you deal with, with the fears you deal with. Yeah. Because when you're showing people the how, often that reduces a lot of the resistance or anxiety or the fear. They may, mm-hmm. they may still need the courage, though they're gonna, they know what they need to knew, do. And now you're like, okay, I'm just going to give you a little push because now it's time to go out there and do it. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah. 
So uh, we're in the process now. We've talked about discovery, pursuit. So discovery, pursuit is really, if you think about my program, it's divided in two parts, discovery and pursuit. And Mm -hmm. then unstoppable mindset is something that weaved throughout the whole program. Because through the whole program, we work on disempowering beliefs on different topics. Um, Some of the topics related to... uh, like money or your ability. You know, there's a, n- a number of se- specific repeatable areas where people have disempowering beliefs. So we address them in communication. Right. We look at right. different areas. Um, another exciting thing that we do in the mindset part, we build your board of supporters. Um, board of supporters. Oh, talk about more about that. It's a... Um, So the board of supporters, that's the idea that actually uh, quarantine inspired me for. Because uh, during quarantine, kind of my natural communication channels that existed um, just stopped working because I stopped seeing certain people, you know, as I, you know, you know, I was more isolated from people. I suddenly Mm. wasn't communicating as much. Mm. Mm-hmm. with as many people that I used to. And um, honestly, at the beginning, I kind of like really enjoyed it. <laughs> but then over time, I was like, okay, I think I need to build something, some uh, structures for myself, for my personal growth. Maybe also, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really a therapy, but it's a therapeutic to have some of the conversations. Uh, yeah, with Absolutely. People. And then also through working with people, I identified also there are some things that they have to have in order to succeed in their change. So for instance, so the first category of people in your board of supporters are your, I call them your life partners. So those could be significant Mm -hmm. others. Sure. Usually call them those people that you can get rid of, you know, but. uh, Whether you want to or not. Exactly. Significant others. So it's very hard to introduce any significant change in your life without support of your significant other. Oh gosh. Yes. So the conversation that we're having that it is, it's on you to turn your significant other into your biggest supporter. Okay. And the reason that I got to this particular thing that I was working with this amazing woman who you know, supported her husband through medical school, helped him open up medical office, birthed two children and raised them while had full-time job and career, right? And suddenly it's her time now. The kids are older. It's her time now for her leap, right? Yes. And in one of the conversations, I said, did you speak to your husband about this? And her answer was, well, you know, she's not that type of person that I would understand this. And that I was like, I, and then she said, I hinted, I hinted him, but he's not the type <laughs> of person that, and that, that's where I knew I got to work with significant others. And mm-hmm. so her assignment was to start having these conversations. Anyway, her husband turned out to be very supportive. It wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Suddenly I was inside of their marriage that which was, I didn't want to be in anybody's marriage, but <laughs> because these programs take life on its own. Um, but it's an interesting thing that, especially for a lot of women, that conversation yeah. about what I want with their significant other is, uh, is it either triggering or uncomfortable? And 
um, but so important. So I yeah. usually say start it very early, even if you just have ideas that you one day mm. you want to change your job, mm. don't hide it. <laughs> start no. this conversation, put the plants, plant the seeds yeah. for this conversation very early. Yeah. I remember as you were speaking, it made me think of an experience I had with about 10 years ago, I was with my partner who was wonderful, loving and supporting. And there was one thing that I did that was always very difficult for him because I have a tendency to go out into the world to test out my theory of, can I be partner in a situation where someone's being hostile and aggressive and will, you know, can, can these skills still neutralize the situation and leave people unharmed? Yeah. And so most of the time they work and sometimes they would blow up in my face, Misha. <laughs> Yeah. And he would be there sitting on the couch, listening to me cry or yell or whatever. And he would, he would always just want me to not do it anymore. Please, honey, don't do that. You know, it's going to blow up in your face or there's a chance, please. You know, and he thought he was, it was so reasonable. And I was like, oh, and it, in a way I didn't use say this expression though. It was like, he was asking me to stop breathing full deep breaths symbolically. Mm -hmm. and, and it was too important to me. And I was okay with having my, you know, things blowing up my face sometimes as long as I had the support. And so I said, okay, honey, um, uh, you know, the way I really need you to support me is um, when something blows up my face, be with me, you know, hold my hand through it. Um, don't say I told you so right then and there, because that was the other thing he would want to do. And to, to lecture me to try to get me to stop. I said, just, um, you know, be with me through the pain, hold my hand. And then later on, when we're having ice cream or going for a walk, then open up the conversation and say, well, what could you do differently next time? So he wasn't, you know, I wasn't asking, um, he, he was saying he could understand, okay, she's not going to accept no, though she's giving me a proactive way to be um, more involved and support her. And it worked. Yeah, it was really cool. No, that's actually, that's a very beautiful example because you, I would say that's a mastery, right? You told him, this is exactly what I want from you, which is like the next level. Yeah. You know, I'm starting with people, this is just what I want for myself, right? And the next level, this is how I need to be supported specifically. Uh, so and great job, Amy. For that and Thanks. A I'm such a big fan of asking for what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so your significant others is just one piece, but then you, if you think there are also your, I call them your partners in crime. Those are the people <laughs> like you that maybe are looking for career change, or those are the people that will brainstorm with you. Those are the people that you know your bodies that you can engage in these conversations, get feedback, you know, that's the second group of the board of supporters. So every group has its role, you know, and the third group is your mentors and advisors. So those people that you trust their opinion, those are the people that might, you might not, not even have them right now, especially if you want to leap into a new industry and you don't know about that industry, you might actually need to find them. So because they, they, they should have some knowledge or experience that you don't have so they can guide you. So that's, I, you know, by the way, magic letter is one of the ways to acquire that group. And the fourth group is your cheerleaders. Okay, those are the people, doesn't matter how much you screw up and how everything goes wrong, they will be like, 
oh, you're the best. You can do it. Next time it will be better. You know, my mom was that person for me. You uh-huh. know? And so, so these four groups and, it, you know, and then if you set up also some very strategic conversations with them and with some people on a regular basis, like on a weekly by weekly, monthly basis, you can actually weave this network of support. And I have to say that in the past year, I, I, I w- want to acknowledge myself that I've done the work of uh, building these people around me, that I have these different people that, that I talk to about a lot of things in my life, but with some people I naturally gravitate to talking about business, some other yep. people I talk more about raising children, but some people I talk more about relationships. So that's kind of moves around. But I have a good group of people that I interact with regularly about mm. what's happening in my life. And can I tell you, especially after a year of quarantine and not talking to anybody, yeah. that b- was breathing so much life into me. Oh. And uh, I deepened certain relationships uh, including with my brother, who I consider like one of my life partners, when yeah. I said, you know, the change that I implemented there, I said, why don't we meet for dinner once a month, just you and I, without the family, without, yeah. you know, noise of everybody else. And since we started doing that, our relationship just got so more intimate and and mm, beautiful. So, Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I one of my sisters has been guiding me since COVID on mm-hmm. uh, getting more financially savvy. So it's and it's brought us closer as well. Yeah, yeah. Misha, we're just about out of time. Now, before I ask you, you know, the final thing about some one call for action for the listeners, I just want to repeat what I've heard about the board of supporters. It's life um, partners. It's um, the truth. Partner. Last one. Life, life partner, life, life partners, partners in crime, partners in crime, advisors, advisors and mentors, and, and cheerleaders, cheerleaders. cheerleaders. Wow, so rich, and I love how you distinguish between all of those. Mm. Well, I I want to um, make sure that the listeners hear more, uh, find out how exactly they can get in touch with you. I want to repeat your details, though. Before that, what is one call for action you have for the listeners? So. Don't allow yourself to be stuck in the doubt, in this questioning, this never mind, you know, like the ordinary mental consciousness, the way our mind always would doubt everything, deny ideas, deny more, just it's kind of the swamp that keeps you in a swamp. You cannot get out of the swamp with one little action. You really need to jump out of the swamp. So I'm just inviting people to take that action. All right, whether you do leap. it with Amy, whether you do it with me, where you find somebody <laughs> else who inspires you, who will give you yeah. a hand to get you out of there. Don't do or it just, slowly. It has to be done radically. All right. And my call for action is for listeners, put together your board of supporters. And my second call for action is send me your communication conundrums and I will discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. You can reach me at amy at carolcoaching.com. You can reach Misha at misharubin.com or thecareerleap.com. And you can also find him on LinkedIn. Listeners, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I'll be talking with Dr. Heather Carnes-Lee, a thought leader and practitioner of clean language. 
No, it's not the opposite of dirty language. Rather, it's a way of asking questions with a few assumptions as possible. We're going to be taking a deep dive into the principles of clean language. Check out my website for more information on what I do and how I can support you, carolcoaching.com, or go to my social media channels and reach me on Amy Carol Coaching. If you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to a Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's call. Misha, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Emmy, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for very insightful questions. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.